0: Welcome to Interparty Conflict, the podcast where we answer your questions so you can have the best tabletop gaming experience possible. My name is Gabe, and today we have a non-standard episode for you. Um, I'm actually taking the week off this week because I'm on vacation. It's my wedding anniversary, and we are out of town. So instead, what we're going to be treating you to this week is a little compilation of Patreon rewards that we've done. So, One of the rewards on our red tier of our Patreon that we had for the last four years, or at least this particular reward was for the last year or two. Uh, One of the rewards that we had was if you were a red tier patron, you could give us a topic. It could be something gaming related, something non-gaming related and so on. And then Jeff and I would do a, I think I said a 10 minute discussion about it. But I think in every case it was fifteen or more minutes. So basically, we would, you'd give us a topic, and then we would record a you know a short little thing specifically just for you. Um, we not everybody redeemed these; uh, only four people have so far. And so what I did was I put together those four, and then uh, that's what you're going to be listening to today. So each one it's about a, about a fifteen minute or so presentation or, or discussion or whatever. Uh, of varying topics. So I hope you like these. I think they're pretty good and I thought they would be a good little bonus episode to give out to our uh, to our listeners. Uh, before we get into that though, one quick thing. today we're going to be doing the drawing for the second of our three leather goods from Mommy River Leather. And in particular today we're giving away the leather box that is disguised as a leather journal. So, the winner of today's prize, the Leather Box, is Carl L. Congratulations, Carl. Uh, I will be getting in touch with you pretty soon to get your information. Give me a few weeks. Like I said, I've been kind of busy. You know, I'm on vacation right now, and then even just with, with regular job stuff. I've been a little busy, so give me a little time to get that to you, but I will keep in touch. For everybody else, if you are still interested in winning the last of the three leather goods, we're going to be doing that drawing on Tuesday, November 9th. So if you're interested in winning the leather book cover, send us an email with a picture of a review that you have left us on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, on Podcast Addict, anywhere you can leave a review. Leave us a review, take a picture of it, and email it to us at interpartyconflict@gmail.com gmail.com before the 9th of November. And we'll do that drawing that day. Good luck to everybody else who is currently on the list. Good luck to everybody who is going to enter between now and then. Uh, Just a big thank you to everybody who has left us reviews. You guys are awesome. So anyway, enough of all that. Once again, here are four personalized discussions from our Red Tier patrons. Enjoy. Hello, my name is Gabe. My name is Jeff. And we're the hosts of Interparty Conflict, and we are going to be talking about giving a speech,
1: I suppose. Yeah. Public speaking. Yeah. That sort of thing. Public
0: speaking, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So uh, Dustin is one of our patrons, and Dustin asked us, he said, Hey Gabe, I'm a leader in a scout troop, and a bunch of my kids are having trouble completing their communications merit badge. The most common hurdle is giving a five-minute speech to the group. They all have terrible stage fright. Could you talk about how you prepare for your podcast, how you got over your stage fright, and how you broadcast? I think it would be tremendously helpful for them. Thank you in advance. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to be talking about um, how we prepare for our podcast, mm-hmm. how we get over stage fright, and how we actually get the podcast on the internet so people can listen to it. Sure. Um, I would say that I'll say that I, we started the podcast. I'll kind of take us all the way back to the beginning. We started this podcast when Jeff was interested in, Jeff, you were interested in doing like a YouTube channel, right? yeah. You want to do like, kind of like game grumps, like a video game.
1: Yeah. Like a, like a little let's play thing for, you know, yeah. just, just for fun. I play video games all the time anyway, so might as well record mm-hmm.
0: it. Yeah. And, um, I had been listening to a lot of podcasts cause at my work I'm able to listen to, you know, listen to whatever I want while I'm working. And so I knew I wanted to, because I like talking too. Um, I, I wanted to make a podcast. Hadn't really decided on a topic for a while, but uh, once you were interested in doing something um, with microphones and such as well, we put our minds together. And one of the things that came of it is inter-party conflict. Yeah. So um, as far as preparing for an episode, I would kind of say the, um, the process involves, I sit down, I look at, for, for our podcast, we answer listener-submitted questions. So I like to sit down with the list of questions that have been submitted. I like to kind of go over them all. I look at each question and then I think about, what do I have to say about this? There are some things that I have a lot to say about. There are some things that I don't have a lot to say about. But just about anything, if you get me talking about it, I'll come up with some stuff as we go. So, um, I, I look at the questions, I try and think about which of these things do I really enjoy talking about, which mm. do I think could be a lot of fun to talk about. And then I make them into a list, get Jeff together. And then we, we look at the list and we figure out which ones we think would be good. And then go from there. Yeah. Um, as far as getting over stage fright, Jeff, do you have any, do you have, have you ever had any issues with stage fright in your past? Um, yeah, I would have to say, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not a terribly great
1: public speaker. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I I can, think of a lot of times where I've been like, I've had to like do a presentation or something for a class and like getting up there and actually talking. Like there, there have been a couple of times where I start shaking, you know, like it just kind of gets, it gets real bad. Like my voice starts cracking and like, I might, I just start shaking. I get real nervous and I usually get through it. And sometimes the, the nervousness kind of like dies down towards the end. But for the most part, I'm just sort of like very anxious and that sort of thing. It doesn't always yeah. happen. Um, I mean, doing a, doing this podcast, it's, it's pretty easy. Cause one word, just, it's just me and you like, yeah, there's really not really much to be nervous about. Like I might sometimes think back to what I said and go, ugh, you know, <laughs> but beyond that, it's like, ah, eh, whatever. And like, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I try not to listen to, to our show too much. So I don't feel that way because I sure. feel like if I listened to our, all of our episodes a lot, I would probably hate everything I say and wouldn't want to <laughs> do it, do it anymore. So I just, I See, just avoid it.
0: I'm kind of the opposite. I've listened to so many of our episodes that now that doesn't even phase me anymore. Sure. I do still have like, oh, why did I say it like that? Yeah. no. But- <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, it's 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 more of like a curiosity now than than sure. something stopping me.
1: No, I'm really hard on myself about that sort of stuff. So I'm just like, you know what? If if I don't listen to it, then I won't then I won't be embarrassed, and I'll and I just I'll just keep on embarrassing myself without even knowing it. So who who sure. cares? As long as I don't know that I'm being
0: embarrassing, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that is an important thing for when we record our podcast, which might not apply to all forms of public speaking, but. When we record our podcast it is very much I'm sitting in a room talking to my friend. Right. There isn't an audience in front of me, so it's a lot easier to get over stage fright because I'm just talking to Jeff. I could talk to Jeff. All, I do talk to Jeff all the time about all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's not as intimidating as it could be. Yeah. There is a way though to apply that to public speaking cuz sorry, I didn't I didn't add in I also suffer from stage fright. I am—I suffer from horrible stage fright. I'm the kind of person that, like, if I'm in a class and I—I I know I, I'm going to raise my hand and ask a question, I'm shaking, I'm sweating, I am like terrified of when I actually get to ask the question because then everybody in the room is going to be listening to me. They're probably going to be looking at me, and mm. then what if I stumble over my words or something? I—I I suffer from terrible stage fright in that regard. Yeah. However. I also considered myself to be a fairly competent public speaker. So the lesson here is that stage fright doesn't have to stop you. Like Jeff, you were saying, you know, you're just kind of talking with a friend. If you can be in front of a group of people and if you can look a person directly in the eyes, Don't, don't just speak out to everybody. I guess you can try. But if you look directly at one person, preferably if there's someone in the audience that you know, or that you are friends with, try to just look directly at them, at least at the beginning. And then imagine that you're not talking to a huge group, you're just talking to your friend. Right. Even if it's not someone you know, even if there isn't anybody you know in the audience, if you just picture yourself as, I am talking to this one person in the audience, it'll feel a lot less daunting than if you are trying to talk to everybody. Um, also, try and focus on the microphone maybe not even don't even think about all the the people that you're talking to in the audience. Just think I'm just here. I am talking to this thing that is like three inches in front of my face. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. That can kind of alleviate it. Now that's once you're already on stage as a person who's done theater, uh, over the years who has, you know, I've, I've done, I took speech class. I've done presentations at my local library. Um, it's hard to get to that point because, All the time leading up, you're panicking, and you're feeling like you didn't do enough preparation work, and you're afraid that you're going to get out there and you're not going to be able to find your notes or whatever. So once you're on stage, that's kind of the easy part. The hard part is leading up to it in advance. Now, I've said on our podcast many times, and I'll say it about any kind of public speaking, preparation is key. You want to make sure that you know the thing that you're talking about. If it's something, if whatever you're talking about is something that you know, that if it's something that you are passionate about, that you enjoy talking about, once you get going, Mm -hmm. you'll be, you're golden. Yeah. So the the trick is just to remind yourself, I just need to get out there and start. Once I start talking, it'll be fine and easy after that. It's like riding a bike. You just got to get going and then you'll just keep going.
1: Yeah. I I can definitely think of like the times where I have done maybe not in front of like as big a groups as me as I would in like a class or something, but like talking to a group of people, if it's something I am interested in or passionate about, like I don't have the problem. Like I don't have the, you know, the nervousness as at least not as much because like, if it's something I at least know enough about, I can talk about it at length and I'm excited about it and and I'm, you know, if people have questions, I want to help. I want to answer those questions and that sort of thing. But like in class, like one, I never did the preparation of actually learning about the thing that I was told to talk about, but like, yeah, part of that is because like, they'd be like, Oh, do a presentation on this specific topic. It's like, I don't care about that topic. You're just forced. You just, you just want me to do this presentation. (laughs) Like it might be a, you know, I, you know depending depending on what the class was it might have been like you know you're doing it to do the presentation or you're doing it to learn the thing i like i understand that there's difference there but sure like in most cases like i wasn't that interested in the topics therefore i you know my mind wasn't on the topic it was more on the act of speaking in front of people so i was yeah. nervous um but like you know if they're getting like they're Public speaking badge. Hopefully, they can choose their own topic. Therefore, hopefully, if, if yeah. they if they can find something that they're passionate about, you know, like I can think of myself as a kid, you know, in that situation, I'd be like, well, I could talk about any any of the video games I'm playing. I can talk at length at that. Like, <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully nowadays that's more acceptable as a topic. Yeah. Like, I I feel like I feel like there's it, it should be at that point where now, like, if a kid wants to do like, well, no, this is you know, this is what me and my friends did on Minecraft over the summer. Like here, you know, here's, (laughs) here's this cool city we built and, you know, here are all the different buildings. You can do a little PowerPoint presentation of all the little things that you did, you know, over the summer with your friends. It's like, that's still public speaking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As long as you're able to, if you are able to pick your own topic, then yeah, just pick something that you enjoy doing. And then just instead of thinking of it, like I have to give a speech, think of it as, I'm gonna tell my friends about this thing I enjoy. yeah, it's it's all about getting in the right mindset. If you can just think of it as a thing that you enjoy doing, then it'll be so much easier. Mm-hmm. If you don't get to pick your own topic, it might seem like it's hopeless, but it's not. The trick is to read up what you can about the topic you have to do your top your your speech on. Find something in there that you like, even if it's some little tiny thing. If you have to do, if you had to do a speech on, I don't know, the Kings of England or something, find one king that did one thing that is really cool. Right. And then just keep that in your mind. You might still have to talk about other stuff, but if you keep in your mind, Ooh, I'm about to get to the good part the metal sure. it'll it'll get you through the bad parts yeah. and then right on to the stuff that you enjoy talking about yeah
1: it's like it's like yeah one of the king's brothers was like a weirdo and like did all this weird stuff you can kind of bring you like if you think that's interesting maybe read up on that sure. guy and just kind of like pepper him into the to the to the, <laughs> the talk every once in a while Sure, sure. It's like me, you know, like, and then when this king was doing this thing, meanwhile, you know, brother, what's his face was over, you know, was in this country, you know, (laughs) doing, you know, doing who knows what. Yeah. You know, just, yeah, find, find one little thing about the topic that you find funny or interesting, you know, and then kind of work with that.
0: Yeah. And not everybody, this next thing I'm going to say, not everybody is going to agree with me. I'm always kind of a nerd when it comes to, uh, structuring things. But if I am going to give some sort of a speech, I personally make an outline. I start out with an introduction and then I I come up with some sort of a a quick little attention getter. Maybe I tell a joke that has to do with the topic I'm going to talk about. Or when I was in speech class in high school, one of the things I did, I think I brought like a balloon and I just popped it in front of everybody just to get their attention so that everybody's, you know, they're not sure what to expect, but they're paying attention. And then after your introduction, give a summary of what you're going to talk about. And then in your outline, you can have, I'm going to talk about this category, this category, this category. If you're going to talk about Minecraft, talk about building as your first category, and then talk about survival as your second category. And then maybe your third category is the game that I played with my friends. And those are your three things. And then it's not that you've got this big, huge speech about Minecraft for the next minute or two, just talk about building in Minecraft. Then the next minute or two, talk about survival in Minecraft. And then the game that you played with your friends for a minute or two. If you can give yourself an easy, small thing to talk about, It'll make the whole thing so much easier because it doesn't feel like a giant task. Mm -hmm. It's just a little thing that you know you can do.
1: Right. Plus, then you're not like jumping around with the topic, you know. Exactly. Keeping things structured keeps you from kind of going like jumping around back and forth between different things.
0: Exactly. I always hate when I'm listening to somebody and they jump around to different topics too much. And I know I do this sometimes (laughs) myself. So (laughs) I want to try, if I can... I want to try to rein it in a little bit. I want to make sure that I stay on topic, stay right. on something simple. And then, you know, as long as it's, I keep a good structure, it's going to be much easier to do, much easier to listen to. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, at the beginning, you want to have an introduction. At the end, you want to have a summary. You want to say, I talked to you about building in Minecraft. I talked to you about survival in Minecraft. And I talked to you about the game I played with my friends. This is why I love Minecraft, so everybody go out and play Minecraft. Sure. <laughs> and then boom, you have got a, you've got a little speech, perfect little speech right there. You know, um, do you have anything else to, to say, Jeff? No,
1: not really. Cause
0: uh, okay. you know,
1: I've, I don't have a ton of experience with uh with public speaking, but like, you sure. know, like you'll get through it. Like the nervousness never really fully goes away. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're nervous about public speaking, you're probably going to be nervous about public speaking for a while, lo- for a long time. But yeah, You'll get better at it and the nervousness kind of like, you'll, you know, you, you'll you definitely get through it.
0: Sure. And yeah, that's, that's really the, the important thing. Like it, it might never be easy, but you'll always be able to get through it. Right. So yeah. just keep at it, keep doing things that are exciting to you and see, cause I didn't do an outline for this. I just realized there was one more thing we we're supposed to talk about and that's how we broadcast. Oh, sure. Um, so Jeff and I, we each record, we have we each have a um, a condenser microphone. Mm-hmm. And when we record in person, I have a mixer here at my computer. Since we're recording remotely right now, Jeff's at his house. He has a microphone and a mixer himself. We record them. I use a program called Audacity. I put those files together. I listen through the whole thing, making sure it sounds good. I cut out parts that don't need to be there. I insert sound effects. I insert music. And then I have a finished file. Once I have the finished file, I upload it to soundcloud.com, which is the uh, the hosting website of that we've chosen, and from there soundcloud sends it off to iTunes and Google Play and all that, and then people listen to it. Yeah. Hopefully. So. <laughs> Pretty it's it's it sounds like a lot of stuff and it kind of is, but we've been doing it for 3 years, so it's gotten easier. Right. It's never yeah. never gets too easy, but sure. it does get easier.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Um, so that was, uh, that was our talk about, uh, about, about talking, public speaking, about talking. Exactly. Yeah. A talk about so, talking. uh, thank you, Dustin, for, um, for giving us that prompt. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jeff, for joining me.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Gabe. And
0: yes. Th- <laughs> no problem. And, uh, good luck, everybody out there who is doing some speaking. Go speak. Go, go, t- go talk more. <laughs> there you go. Hey, everybody. Gabe and Jeff here. Hi. Uh, Today, we're going to be giving a backstory to one of our patrons' characters. The patron in question being Taylor, a.k.a. Alistar the Minotaur on Reddit. Uh, Taylor has a character that he's been playing in our Roll20 game named Vladislav the Poker (laughs) Ignolvik. Okay. I hope I'm pronouncing that last name right. Uh, And so I've played with him a few times. Jeff hasn't, so this might be a little bit one-sided, but I'm sure Jeff will have some... uh, have some some input on this uh so vladislav is a human fighter rogue Uh in our patreon game uh i've sent jeff his picture he kind of looks like a um you know sort of like he's got like a fancy what am i even i whenever i look at this picture i think of sort of like a slightly goth uh beethoven kind of i'm picturing what we do in the shadows (laughs) Okay, yeah, that works too. That works too. His character is not a vampire right. as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, but playing with his character, Vla- um Vladislav is a bit of a scoundrel, that being said, he is a kind-hearted scoundrel. Okay. He will uh he'll steal if he thinks he can get away with it. But at the same time, like he doesn't steal from the party. He's actually very kind to the party. There was a point in the campaign where one of the other players, one of the other player characters, Miraz, who acts like a wizard but is not actually a wizard. He doesn't actually have magic powers. Um, Miraz was kind of like opening up and saying like, you know, revealing like I don't really have magic powers or something. Maybe I'm remembering that part wrong. But Vlad talked to him and was like, dude, you know, you st- whatever you do, you have, you've got a ton of power. You've been able to do some great stuff. You know, just believe in yourself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Anyway Vladislav is uh, he grew up in this the bad part of town, I guess. there's these two towns in our campaign that um, are on opposite sides of this river. One of them is kind of the rich part of town, the nicer town. and then the other part uh, these are Twinfangs. Twinfangs West is like the the nice town mm-hmm. and then Twinfangs East is kind of like where all the poor and criminal people live mm-hmm. And Vladislav came from the uh, from the the criminal town right so So he comes um, from
1: twin fangs and you're you're sure he's not a vampire
0: i'm pretty sure (laughs) he didn't i asked for some like if there was any particular things he wanted us to focus on for this Uh and he he didn't say anything about being a vampire he's been in sunlight many times i do know that much Mm -hmm. that's what a vampire (laughs) would say whenever so here's the thing whenever uh whenever vlad talks he has taylor uses this like you know eastern european kind of russian kind of transylvanian voice i know it but, sounding like he's a vampire right. but i promise he isn't another little thing is that uh his character um has we, the the other players have met his mother who is like your your typical again typical eastern european mm-hmm. mother who's always like Nagging her son to do chores and to, you know, visit more often and, you know, to so on and so more, on to eat more or, exactly. or
1: drink more blood. Maybe. I don't know. Well,
0: no, <laughs> uh, but then uh, Taylor Vlad kept using the term, the, the name Baba Yaga to refer to her. Sure. And, you know, maybe as a term of endearment, who knows? We'll we'll get into that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I will say, so I, I did ask. Taylor, what uh things he wanted to focus on he said not really very much but he did also provide a few additional bits of information for context that uh haven't really come up in the game and so i'll I'll go ahead and read these to you okay yeah um so i asked him if he wanted to focus on anything. he said not really you kind of already know the bits of bits of backstory i've already developed in the narrative he's got a brother who he's jealous of for getting the klingon now i wasn't aware of this in our campaign there are the drawn, which are basically the humans, like that's the the human race. However, there is also a sub race of humans called that I don't really know if I, the sub race is these zombie hearts that come out of their ancestors, burrow out of the corpses of their ancestors, and then attach themselves to members of the drawn. And when that happens, it's it's a a very prestigious thing. It is an honor. To be bonded to a Klingon, as they are called. Yeah. Um, and when they when you have a Klingon bonded to you, it's like attached to your body somewhere. Um, and in addition to the cultural benefits, it makes you healthier, it makes you stronger. Uh, so the idea here is then that Vlad has a brother that was bonded to a Klingon, and oh. Vlad is very jealous of it. Okay, it's very jealous. Um, in addition,
1: it's two hearts, which means more blood, which means you have more. The tasty delicious blood to drink
0: additionally his mother is named baba yaga and makes delicious borscht balls (laughs) these borscht balls have come up in the story a a couple times borscht balls yeah at one point one of the adventures the like inciting incident i guess was uh baba yaga sent them to go get saffron to go in the borscht balls and so they had to go to the market and when they got to the market they saw some bad guys, whatever. Yeah. Um, he grew up in Twin Fang's East and he's a scoundrel. Only thing you may not know, technically, is he's a his intelligence. Buyer? No. Oh. His intelligence is eight. Oh. However, he has a headband that makes his intelligence a 19. Oh. So each of the players started with a magic item. And so he has this headband that makes him very smart. And then uh, Taylor added Vlad is practically illiterate without it. Huh. So I, I mean that that's a really cool detail. I, I was not aware of that. Um I I'm sure he told me. It sounded familiar, but it was not something that was on the forefront of my mind. Also, I didn't know anything about his brother. So that's that's news <laughs> to me too. Right. So um, like I said, he has this mother who's like one of those nosy neighbors. She like when I think when they found out that the uh, there was like this cult of lizard folk and hags that lived in Twin Fang's East. Uh, they found out that it was in the building next door and the mother knew who they were, but she didn't tell them because she needed them to go run her errands. So like that's why she sent them to the market was to go buy the saffron rather than just telling them, oh, yeah, the thing you're looking for, it's right next door. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was thinking one of the things that like the-, the meatiest chunk that I came up with for Vlad's backstory is that his mother is or was in some kind of a cult like, his mother actually was some kind of, like, a dark priestess or something. Mm-hmm. And that's why she has the name Baba Yaga. It's not just a funny name. Like, she was or, again, was or is some cor- some sort of, like, very dangerous, very feared individual. Mm-hmm. And maybe because Vlad has always been kind of dumb, except when he had this headband, he just never realized it. He may have even taken part or helped with some of the... Cult rituals in the past. He just he just thought, oh, it's just mom's having having some. Oh, mother is having some of her have friends over for for her delicious. She gave me some delicious borscht balls, the you borscht know. Balls. So so I I don't I don't care what they're doing. I get my borscht balls at the end of at the end of day. And so uh, <laughs> I thought I thought that would be a fun thing if there actually is this cult connection with his Baba Yaga mother. Gabe, I've got yeah. it. What's that? You're not gonna like it. I probably not. I think I know where this is going. Gabe. Please continue. Gabe. Yeah. He's a vampire. But hear me out. Okay. Baba
1: Yaga uh-huh. is not his real mother. Okay. Baba Yaga basically put a curse on a va- on this vampire. This this powerful vampire put a curse on him.
0: Okay. That basically have you seen Have you seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Or I've seen a, some of it. So there's the, there's the character
1: Angel. He is a he yep. is a um It's going to be roughly based on this, I guess. Is is sure. uh, a character Angel is a vampire who I think it was like I think it's supposed to be like it's just like a gypsy curse or something silly. Um, okay, but um. Oh, he was given his soul back. Yeah, he was basically given his soul back, and so now he's a vampire with a soul. And it's like, well, that sucks because he's a vampire, and vampires do horrible things. But he has a soul now, so now he feels bad. Um,
0: (laughs) I mean, it is a it is a curse, I would say. Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, that's
1: yeah. I'm not (laughs) his
0: curse is that he's just too compassionate.
1: His curse is that he just sits, (laughs) he broods all the time. He's just like yeah, yeah. He's just like oh, man, stuck as a teenager or whatever. (laughs) <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, so Baba Yaga, like, maybe put like a curse, like, or her and her cult or whatever, put a curse on this vampire mm-hmm. and, like, basically made him human again. Okay. Um, uh, to an extent, like, but, but yeah, something went wrong with the curse and it didn't quite fully turn him back or something. So there's going to be some aspects of him that are still kind of vampiric. Yeah. And, uh, And like, maybe like the, and so like, but you know, one of the, part of the curse, it made him stupid and it made him like childlike and like Baba Yaga kind of felt bad. It's like, I was like, I like, I've, yes, I've basically gotten rid of this monster, but I've created this poor, this, this poor creature that can't even take care of itself. It's like, Oh, what have I done? Like I've, you know, like, you know, it's like I've removed the threat, but now I feel bad for what I've left behind. And so she cares for him, and you know, feeds him borscht balls, which are actually blood.
0: Oh no! So okay. like maybe
1: he's he maybe maybe like the borscht balls that he makes for that she makes for him are like high in iron or something, or you know, like she, she she's trying to like make sure he's he's still getting the 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 you know getting the blood that he needs, right? The sustenance <laughs> that he needs or something, you know, like yeah. So you know, he's so he's got. He's got this, like his mother doting after him because she, yeah, she was, she was the reason why he is the way that he is now because he was okay. once a, okay. he was once a vampire. He has a
0: guy named Vlad living in a in two fangs and he, <laughs> he looks like, he looks like a vampire. Yeah. Fun fact. There is also a twin fang South completely unrelated to the other two. <laughs> It's like way off somewhere else on the map. We didn't even realize it when we came up with Twin Fangs East and West. Someone later realized, oh, there's already a Twin Fangs. And it's like way south.
1: Oh, goodness.
0: (laughs) Twin Um, Fangs South. Yeah. So then um, maybe the reason that – so the reason he didn't get a Klingon is because he isn't alive. Right. Klingon went to his brother. Because his brother is actually a living human. Sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, like, you know, okay. so
1: like the person he is now is different than the vampire he was before, but like, you yeah. know, it's, it's not like. So he just doesn't have any memory
0: of it. Yeah. It doesn't have any memory of it. He, because he doesn't like, know he's a vampire.
1: Right. And so, but with the memory went the intelligence. And so now. Okay. I, maybe, okay. maybe, maybe the, the head, the headband was a gift from his mother. It was a, you know, it's an enchanted headband to kind of give him some intelligence, but it's like maybe intelligence borrowed from other places or something i was like you know i'm not sure what like what what the magic of the uh of the headband would be sure um yeah i don't know maybe
0: maybe she had a son that died and the headband has the some of the consciousness of her actual son in it yeah that yeah And and that's why she took so much compassion on him yeah that's right yeah i say compassion but like she's again she's she's kind of a nagging true i guess right them. like because in a loving way
1: but there's still that like resentment that like oh he like he was used to be this monster you know so like yeah. there is she still does hold resentment like maybe the vampire killed somebody in close to her okay. maybe okay. he even killed her son you know the her actual there son, you, you know? go and like Yeah. So like there is sort of this duality of like, I hate this person, but they also are, but they're also helpless without my, you know, without me. Yeah. And in giving them this help, they've, you know, given them a part of my, my son or whatever. It's like, or like it's part of his, in her mind, it's part of his atonement that he carries the memories of her son. And like, you know, and like okay, lives up yeah. to his, lives up to his name and legacy or something like that.
0: Sure. Um, that, yeah, that's all great. That's all really good stuff. Uh, one more thing that I just, I want to say, it's not even like, uh, it's just something that happened in the game that I forgot to mention earlier. Um, Vladislav did probably like, in my opinion, the most badass thing this entire campaign. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. I just said in the episode that we just recorded right before this, that um, Fion was actually the one that killed the god that they were fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, before that though Vladislav was right up there you know front and center fighting fighting the this avatar of his god for a while and it was you know this thing hit like a truck hit a bunch of times per round like a truck uh, many trucks I guess (laughs) and uh, there was a point when it finally the boss finally like started to get low on health and so I I narrated that like it uh, I think like Vlad like stabbed him or whatever. And like for a moment, for like the first time in the battle, this like giant million armed orc thing, for the briefest of moments, looks scared. And Vladislav, like I'm picturing Vladislav, his rapier still in the god's stomach, just looks the god straight in the eyes. And he said, he said something along the lines of like, you are a pitiful god or something. <laughs> and just like, Staring a god in the eyes and saying that as you are in the process of killing them, right. or, or in the process of besting them, sure, so badass. Yeah, in my opinion, so, very cool. <laughs> so yeah, that's. Uh, I I think that's pretty good. I think we come up with, came up with some good stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so Taylor, uh, let us know what you think. Hopefully it was good. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, thank you for being a patron. Yeah, we rock. Yeah, take it right. easy. Bye. <laughs> My name is Gabe. My name is Jeff. And today we are going to be discussing some non-standard D and D games from uh, from our patron Dave. So his th- his question was, "What are your thoughts on quote unquote special games?" And then he gave a few examples. Do you like them? Do you want to play them one day? Would you ever run them your, for your? Would you ever run them for your friends? So uh, the examples he gave were Secret Stats, Average Adventurers, Goonie Gang. Coming out of retirement, Oops All Monsters, and Differently Abled Adventurers. Hmm. So, first one, secret stats. With this, everyone has a pre-generated character, but nobody knows what their stats are. They start off just with a blank character sheet. And then as they try to do things, the dungeon master, when they they make a roll, the dungeon master tells them, You're pretty good at this. You have a plus five. And then they write that into their sheet. And then they experiment with more things, and they find out what they're good at and what they're bad at. Huh? What are your thoughts, Jeff? I mean, that's kind of interesting. I feel like you could like theme this, uh, like
1: flavor wise. This could be like an adventure where it's uh people from the real world get transformed into the game or something. You know, get it sucked into the game and like, oh, what are my stats? You know, like sure, sure. Because you like people like you know we're we're nerds. We've always thought like, oh, what (laughs) Jeff? Excuse me. (laughs) <laughs> what like you know what would my character sheet look like my like my real physical self what yeah. will my character sheet look like and i don't you know i don't think my strength is high but you know my intelligence might be okay and my you know my wisdom might be pretty okay and i don't know yeah. um it's you know who, who's to say sure. uh, that's actually a pretty good way
0: of doing that i would say
1: it, right yeah so like that'd be that'd be like a fun yeah that'd be a fun thing um I guess, I guess just like in general, as far as like special things, I don't know if we want to talk about that off the top, um, about mm-hmm. these like special type adventures. Like, sure. Uh, well, I guess, I guess we can kind of go into it with each one where it's like, would this be better as like, would this be good as like a one-off or would this be more something that could go a little bit further?
0: Yeah. That's a good question for this. I would say the, the, the hook of this is really only going to be significant the first time you play. Right. Cause then you know your stats and then it's just a regular game of D and D.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, for something like this, be be a neat little one off or, you know, maybe, maybe uh, like maybe a couple sessions or something like that, you know, depending on like how you flavored it and what, like, what, you know, how everything's going.
0: Yeah. Personally, I don't really like the idea of this just because it's a lot of work. You know, you got to make all the characters ahead of like presumably one person has to make all the characters ahead of time. Maybe if, if you're doing it that everybody is playing as themselves, maybe have each person make a different person's character. Um, you know, so you can, like, I could make Jeff's, Jeff could make Jay's, Jay could make Steve, Steve could make mine. Um, but again, it's just, it's, it's so much extra work because then every time you make a check, instead of just knowing what your stats are, every skill check becomes like a one or two minute discussion to figure out what your stats are.
1: Right, right.
0: And so, I don't know, it could definitely work. Like what you said, that actually sounds pretty fun. But just in general, I feel like it's going to be a lot of work for the Dungeon Master for a very limited amount of payoff. Gotcha. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, What were the other ones? Uh, The next idea is average adventurers. And that is everyone has a stat of 10 in everything. So everyone (laughs) before racial adjustments. So, uh, Hmm. you know, if you're a human, all your stats are 10. If you're a uh, or I guess maybe 11. If, if you're playing the standard fifth edition human, sure. um, like an elf, they have a 12 uh, dexterity and so on and yeah. so on. I,
1: again, I think I think if you could also do like a, like, because like, it's like the average human is a 10 or whatever. And it's like, yeah. well, it's like, okay, you're, it's kind of like the, the, the person being sucked into the game thing. Again, you can maybe do that. I guess it's, I don't know, having a 10 and everything is, or like having just all average stats i it feels kind of boring but at the same time i don't know if it would be that much different um that's a good point it wouldn't i i feel like i feel like in general it wouldn't be that much different except for it would probably just be worse because you wouldn't be good at anything you just would like yeah you have you like because my whole thing is like i'll put all of my stats and build my character around doing this one thing and then the dice still just don't let me just don't let me do it sure sure so that imagine me doing trying to do anything when all of my stats oh are. i
0: failed but my failure is too lower than it would have been
1: right yeah exactly so yeah. i yeah i yeah i don't like the idea that i don't like this one um which is also why i don't i don't like rolling for stats i know a lot of people like rolling for yeah, stats but right. i feel like I, I feel you there um i yeah.
0: i do feel like this would be kind of boring that being said i mean it's basically just it, it's either a test of how well the dm can um can fine tune encounters you're basically just going to be fighting weaker challenges yeah but again yeah. that puts more
1: yeah it's just putting a lot of prep work at least on the uh, at least on the dm side too yeah you know
0: and it's so it's either a lot of extra work for the dm or it's just a role playing focused game rather than a stat focused game sure which you can already do you
1: know yeah that's true yeah you don't even need yeah you don't have to weird do a stat gimmick for that
0: So the next one is Goonie gang. Everyone is a child. They are one size smaller and can add plus two dexterity and charisma, but must subtract two from their strength and intelligence. Um, uh, well, what's the next one? The next one is coming out of retirement, which is the same thing, but everybody is older. They're really old opposite stat effects. So plus two. I guess plus two to strength seems a little weird. Uh, Plus two to some, maybe, some stats, and then minus two to some other stats. Right. Uh, no size downgrade, possibly nerf their vision or passive perception.
1: Sure. I mean, like, I know there were, like, the, like, stat changes it when your character got older or whatever, I think in th- yeah. third edition there was that. Right. Like, your your wisdom would go up, and uh, intelligence would go up, but your strength and dexterity or constitution... It was, it was all, all your down.
0: physical stats would go down by one oh, per sure. category, that makes and all sense. your f- mental stats would go up by one, which is yeah. weird because then, you know, a 90-year-old man can hear better than a 20 year old man, which is a little goofy.
1: Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's, yeah, they're sort of like, it's like, Oh, but they're more wise. <laughs> I was like, sure. Not, sure.
0: I mean, <laughs> um, so, so in this case, I feel like you, you had a good point in covering both of these at the same time. I think that both of them are really going to hinge entirely upon what the adventure is, mm-hmm. what the DM is having them do. I would love to play in a game where everybody is kids or where everybody is adults. I love or everybody's like, Elderly people. I love both of those if they're in a game that is fun. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it'd be yeah,
1: it'd be yeah, it'd be neat to see. It would definitely be neat to see. I'd be interested. Like yeah. my my interest is peaked, but like yeah, it's it is sort of <laughs> it it does kind of depend on how the adventure goes.
0: Sure, because like I've I've talked uh, I've talked previously about how I one of the guys that I met around like when I was first getting into D and D said that he once played a game of GURPS where the players were playing as Babies trying to escape a uh, a daycare, uh-huh. and I think that is fantastic. But again, that's the scenario sounded like a ton of fun. I don't really know if the idea of just playing as babies is that cool on its own. It's all about what the scenario is, how best you use the mechanics, and and how best you use the scenario and everything. So, it's just again and not. To say that all of these are just going to be a lot of work for the DM, but in a different way, this is a lot of work for the DM just because it's it's hinging so much on the adventure. Sure. Uh, so the next one is, oops, all monsters. Everybody in the party must be a monstrous race and have some backstory or reason to explain why they have turned on their evil overl- overlords.
1: I like this one. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, kind of bringing back the the kids one but not really like sure. or, like for what i think we did i forget what it was oh yeah it was a halloween thing
0: oh I, shoot yes you ran that
1: yeah i ran it uh where uh the like i tell i told everybody all right make like i gave a short list of monstrous races yeah um and it was like okay make characters out we using these and then I started off the adventure with a battle where you're fighting like zombies or something. And then it turns out like, oh, you're not actually these monsters. Your kids dressed up as these monsters for Halloween. Yep. And then, you know, <laughs> early on in the adventure, you actually get cursed and turned into, your, into the monsters. So like, yes. So, it's, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, like monsters races, you don't, like it doesn't have to be something special. Like it could just be like, oh, you're in a campaign setting where that's not really a big deal.
0: Yeah, sure. Like Eberron goblins and such uh, are just people, you know, they're, they're, uh, it's not as big of a taboo to play as a goblin or an orc or a hobgoblin or something just because they are, they're just part of the world. Right. And
1: like, yeah, there's going to be still be tension and, you know, like stuff, but like, yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not as like, oh man, you're, you're, you're basically playing an enemy character. It's like, no, I don't know.
0: Um, um, I just want to say the thing, the game that you ran that you just described was fantastic. That oh, idea was so good. I mean, good job on that.
1: Like most of my things, the idea is pretty good. <laughs> Execution's <laughs> sure. never great,
0: but sure, I, but I sure. still appreciate.
1: But I appreciate the compliment. Thank you. <laughs>
0: cool. Um, I feel like if I was playing in a game with that was oops all monsters, I would. I would be unable to not try and make the weirdest monster possible. I'm talking, I'm playing a gibbering mouther paladin. (laughs) Sorry guys. That's what I'm playing.
1: You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: What else are you going to do? Like, how how are you not going to do that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll uh... just play a character that basically just the same thing as playing a player race. No, no, you got to do something that makes you be like, how does that even work? what oath did you did you make and which which of your mouths did you use to make that oath oh my god (laughs) like
1: a yeah like an atiag uh, monk or something I don't know sure (laughs) sure
0: that's I mean that's actually pretty good (laughs) Uh, and then the final idea was differently abled adventurers everyone must have a disability or handicap that forces them to role play with this character differently than with most characters they've played Mm
1: -hmm. and like i I feel like we've talked about uh playing disabled characters in the past
0: we have a little bit yeah yeah
1: um i mean yeah this is i mean this is some this is it's interesting like i don't you know i like this isn't something that's gonna like like it's not gonna hurt the game i don't think like yeah like plenty of way like there are plenty of like uh variant rules and stuff where you can like take flaws and things like that to get bonus feats and that kind of thing so like this isn't you know so outside of the normal rule set that i think it's going to like negatively like i don't think it has a big chance of negatively, negatively affecting the game sure and it could yeah could add some interesting topics as far as like things to to role play with
0: yeah i just feel like kind of similar to basically all of the other ideas on here uh it's going to be more work for the dm in order to run a game that makes it meaningful mm-hmm. but not too hard, or like too stereotypical, I guess. I don't know. Like, let's say you're playing someone who is in, you know, a wheelchair or something like that. Then shortly there are going to be times where that is an obstacle, where like the whatever the the dungeon equivalent of there being stairs or something, and you can do that. But then how do you how do you incorporate that without it just being a token set of stairs? How do you make it a thing that is recurring and meaningful? Without just telling that player, sorry, you're just going to have every obstacle in front of you. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I guess what I'm getting is that it's, it's going to be a, like a fine line to walk. You're going to have to thread that needle and other idioms and such. (laughs) Um, it's just, it's going to, it's going to be hard. It's going to be more work for the DM. And so it's, uh, um, I, I don't think I would do it unless the players were all like, really interested in that. And even in that case, I don't think I would be the right DM to do it. Sure. Because I don't know how well I would be able to do it. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, but if it's like, the, if it's the DM's idea and the part, the players are into it, I don't you know. Sure. At the, very, at the very least, it'd be good. Like these, any of these would be good for like a one-off at least.
0: Yeah. Um, If you would say any of these are better for a long-term campaign, which one would you say is best for that? <sighs>
1: Maybe the monster one.
0: Okay. um yeah
1: i i feel like the monster one just because again it's like i think it's close because like monsters races isn't like again that's a that's one that's not like too far outside the rules it's just yeah you know may may you know you're maybe not you're just not spending as much time in the normal cities or something like that oh no sure like you could still you could still do a do a good uh campaign and it might be it'd be, be kind of interesting where like one of the adventures is the group kind of has to sneak their wind in way into a humanoid into a normal human city or something. Sure. Um, you know, I could, I could see a lot with that, but I, I think I'm, I'm biased because I like, I like monstrous races and things like that.
0: Sure. Sure. And if, uh, if say half of the party could theoretically pass as human and the other half couldn't, mm-hmm. that could lead to like an interesting heist where one half of the party has this, This objective, the other half of the party has to stay in the shadows and, you know, do something else to aid with whatever the mission is that doesn't get them, you know, face to face with regular people.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, because because like monsters vary so much, like everybody's got a part to play.
0: I think, yeah, I I think I agree that uh, the monsters one is probably the one that is best suited for a long term campaign. Mm -hmm. I think secret stats really only works for a one shot after that. It's just a regular game. Yeah. Uh, Average adventurers, I just feel like would be slightly less fun than a regular game. Yeah. And then Goonie gang and coming out of retirement um, would be best for a one shot. That is like really hyper-focused on that thing. Differently abled adventurers, I guess could be depending on how it's dealt with could be a long-term campaign. But again, like, I don't know exactly how to, how to keep up, how to keep that going for a whole campaign in a way that's meaningful. Sure. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think uh, I think that'll do it for for this. Unless you had any other any other ideas you wanted to bring up, Jeff? No, I think that about that about covers it. Cool. I think it was really interesting to cover these. I've never really put much thought into most mm-hmm. of them. So thank you very much, uh, David, for submitting that, and uh, thanks for being a patron. Have yeah. a good day. Thanks. All right. Hey, everybody. My name is Gabe. My name is Jeff. And we are going to be talking about Pathfinder 2nd Edition and what we think it does better or worse than D&D 5th Edition. This was submitted by Joshua P., one of our patrons. Thank you very much, Joshua. So, Jeff, what would you say? Just some ideas off the top of your head. Like, what's your favorite thing about Pathfinder 2nd Edition?
1: Um, let's see. I Yeah, there's a lot I like about it. Uh... I don't know what my favorite would be, but like the, one of the main things that does stick out, uh, the difference is like the action economy. Yeah. Um, or it's just like the way that actions work. Yes. Uh, Cause we, you know, in the different versions of, of D and D there have been like, they've, it changed around a little bit, um, where it's like, you might have like a move action or a, and an attack action and then you get like mm-hmm. a free action or in a, in a, in a reaction. I think that, I think yeah. that's fifth edition. So yeah, uh, pretty much uh, and then, like, third edition, there was, like, the standard action, full round action, things like that. Pathfinder second edition, you have three actions, mm-hmm. and different things take different amount of actions. So, like, you know, moving is one action, so you can yep. move three times. Um, Attacking is one action, so you can attack three times. However, you do take penalties. You do take multiple attack penalties. So your attack gets... Yes less likely to hit with each attack you do in one turn
0: so at first level if you really want to you can attack three times right you're not going to hit for at least two of those yeah, but yeah you can do it
1: yeah like you know but you might you can you can still pray for a 20 you know it, yeah. it, you know it, or if it's an easy enough target you might get through sure um but yeah you, yeah you have that option um so like you like it's with the three i think with the three Uh, with the three actions like you do end up with a lot more options there's a and like there's a lot more stuff you can do with them because they kind of because they did it this way um there's a lot of way like you can mix and match different things you can do spells uh spells typically cost two actions um so you can cast a spell
0: and attack in the same action yeah um, I think and then some spells might even have an additional effect if you spend three actions right. yes,
1: yeah. there are some where it's like uh there's like a healing spell and it's really cool where it's one you use you can use it for one action and it is like a it's a touch healing spell mm-hmm. um and I think you I think you like roll for the uh you roll for the healing or you can spend two actions. And it's ranged, and I think it does like a flat heal, like you don't have to roll for it; you just do the a maximum amount or something. Yeah. Or maybe I'm thinking of the third, or if you use three, it's a area heal; it heals everybody within that area, um, which I think also is against any enemies too. So you gotta be careful.
0: But oh, sure, sure.
1: That also has the added benefit that because it's positive, but because it's positive energy, it'll deal damage to undead. Yeah. And and uh uh Steve uh has used that several times. <laughs> to to and great their, effect. Yeah, to great effect has saved our butts a couple times. Yeah. Uh so yeah, like that like there are yeah, there are some spells that get more powerful or do different things depending on the number of actions you spend on them. Mm-hmm. There's even a a monk ability, the key blast ability where you oh. can chart. you can basically charge it up like a Kamea Blast where it's like <laughs> you know, one action you just hit one one creature. Uh, yeah. within 30 feet or if you're using two actions it's a cone of okay. like a 15 foot cone and then if it's three actions it's like a 30 foot cone and then it goes up in damage as you do that too
0: yeah that's really cool yeah
1: so that like that it's yeah it's a lot it's a lot of it's a lot of fun that the whole action system
0: yeah the action system is really good um really there's just so many options for everything Yeah, actions. There's like you know all the classes have different like you get feats all the time and there's so many different options for what feats you can take. Mm -hmm. I remember when fifth edition came out, there were like I don't know there's like twenty feats or something and that was it.
1: Yeah, and those are and that's a
0: variant rule too. (laughs) Like that's true. That's true. Granted, they were very powerful. Yeah, they were. But there were only so many of them. Yeah, you know there's a lot more of them now and such. And I'm sure in in uh, a couple of years there will be way more. Pathfinder feats too. Um, But there's just so many options. You can granularly make the character you want to make so well. There's just so much that you can do in Pathfinder, which is awesome. Yeah. I would also say that that is one of the downsides. Yeah, absolutely. There is just so much that you have to know or else you'll feel like you're just blindly picking options because you don't know you don't know or you can't comprehend all of the options you have. So it's just, it's, you're yeah. overloaded with options.
1: Yeah. You get the, was it? Choice paralysis or? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that, that's definitely a thing, uh, which if anybody wants to get into Pathfinder and start building characters, I recommend you find, uh, find yourself a character building software or something. There are yes. not software. There's uh, the app Path Builder.
0: Yes. Path Builder is awesome.
1: Yeah. It's really good. Uh, it's really it, like it, it streamlines that Um, the, the guy who put it together, uh, like, like it's, 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 it's always a work in progress, but it, but it, it's, it, it works really well. Um, yeah. it's a lot of fun making characters in Pathfinder because there are just so many options that you can like sure. come up with a concept and be like, and like, you can get real close to it. Cause there's just so many different things they they keep coming out with more. Um, uh, so yeah, with, with like options, yeah, there's definitely a lot and there's going to be a lot more coming. If you if you know anything about Pathfinder 1st Edition, mm-hmm. like if you go look up that all that information, like there's so much. Yeah. Um uh as far as like rules, um I really like the rules. There are a lot more uh like there's a lot more to them. There's a lot more to to uh, to memorize. Um but I, f- I feel like it's it's very solid. Um, or it's fairly solid. Sure. Like I, re- I remember uh like watching a video explaining the stealth rules and it's like, it's so in depth, but, but very cool. Okay. Um, I still don't, I still don't have a full, I like, I could, I couldn't tell you them immediately. <laughs> like I was like, sure. I don't remember because there's like different state, like conditions are a big thing. There's a ton of conditions in, in second edition Pathfinder. Yeah. Um, so like you can be, there's like hidden and concealed and uh um and like there's like there's like rules with like cover there's like advanced cover and or there's, or there's like like greater cover lesser cover regular cover um and like the ways oh, the way that skills and DCs go against each other so like oh, when boy, you yeah. are, like you have a rather than like if an enemy is trying to ambush you the dm isn't going to ask you roll a spot check they're going to like passive perception is basically the standard in in pathfinder 2nd edition okay. however they do use it like it's it is more part of the system like it's like sure. like it's forever because it's for more things they actually balanced it to, yeah, to work
0: it, it is definitely way different than path- passive perception in fifth edition. Right. Yeah. That, that one, like, it feels like, like it's sort of like a weird outlier and is just like easily exploited. Uh, yeah. So um, he- here's a thing that I really like about Pathfinder is that uh, initiative isn't its own, oh. isn't its own individual thing. Multiple skills can act as your initiative. Right. Yeah. Most like, of the time it's your perception. You're going to mm-hmm. roll a perception check and then that's your initiative. But let's say you're trying to sneak somewhere. Your stealth role is your initiative, right. If you're trying to bluff someone and then that gets in, that turns into a fight. Your bluff role is your initiative. Right. Yeah. And that's so cool.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, like the, yeah, the context dictates what, you know, what skill you're using for your initiative. That's really, yeah, yeah it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah, because like, yeah, like those few examples I think are like, like those are the ones that can kind of happen organically. And then I think there are like certain feats that also give you uh, different options. Okay. There's, I know there's one that gives you your performance skill check.
0: Oh, okay. Um,
1: as, as initiative. So it's like, it it's the gladiator archetype or oh, something. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Um. Uh, or, yeah, so you can use, you can use your performance uh, skill To, uh, to, as your initiative. So, like, you can uh, couple that with Bard or something, and that'd be really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, but yeah, so, right. So, yeah, like, the idea is like, you're, you're trying to ambush somebody. You would roll your stealth and then you would attack, and then, and then, uh, combat would start, and you would just use your stealth roll as initiative. And, like, it's kind of like streamlining that too, because, like, the role's already been made. You don't have to roll again for initiative. Like, you've already made the roll. Um, but yeah, so like you have your, there are, you know, you have your, uh, your modifier for your skill, but then you also have the DC, which is basically the 10 plus your modifier thing. Sure. Where like if you are, if a monster is trying to sneak up on you, the DM's just gonna, the DM is going to roll the stealth check against your, uh, perception DC. So that they can okay. secret, so they can do that in secret, so that uh, that you don't know what's happening if you don't need to, you know, you like if sure, you didn't sure. if you didn't notice the monster sneaking up on you, you didn't notice. You're not, you know, they're not saying, "Hey, roll a spot check," and then you roll low and you go, "Oh, I guess I don't see anything," but now I'm scared. Um, mm-hmm. but they do that with basically everything in 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 Pathfinder Second Edition. Like it's all, you know, like you might roll something against somebody's uh like save DC or something like that. I feel I. It it really all depends on what you're doing. Cause like some spells have you do really uh, very specific things.
0: Yeah. Um, and then criticals are different. Oh, that's correct. Um, I do really like how they do criticals.
1: Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's, it's neat. Cause like you still have your ones in your twenties. That's still uh-huh. a thing. I do. Re- I, I do remember thinking that that wasn't no longer a thing. And then it was only this, the secondary rule, which is, if you are 10 above the AC or DC that you're aiming for, mm-hmm. that's a critical. If you're sure. 10 below, that is a critical failure. Yeah. Um, the critical success versus critical failure. So, like, there will be certain abilities and spells and stuff that, depending on how good your success is, it does different things. So, like, if you, if you, um, like so, if you're casting a spell and you hit their uh, you hit their AC, you do normal damage. If you hit if you you know critical uh, critically hit, you do double damage like a normal crit uh, like a normal yeah. you know, uh, crit. But there are some spells where, say like they have to roll a save, but they roll a critical failure on their save they might get like a whole bunch of extra like conditions or something like it might be it might be something that like does fire damage but if they critically fail they get a persistent fire damage that they're taking damage over time now yeah or bleed
0: effect or something or they might become frightened for a round or for a round or so sure um, and then there there might be a feat that they took that makes it so that against a very specific situation a success is counted as a critical success or right. a critical failure is counted as a regular failure or vice versa a failure is a critical failure yeah
1: yeah so yeah like there's like skill feats Mm -hmm. for the for those kind of things where it's like if you're trying to be really good at this one skill like you can take a feat that makes it so like you're never going to critically fail yeah like you might fail but the very like i think for like one of the medicine ones if you critically fail you end up doing dealing damage to the to the person you're trying to
0: heal that's true yeah
1: so, like, there is, I think there is a, there is a medical feat or something that uh, basically makes it so you can't critically fail. So, at the very least, you're not going to kill the person. You just sure, might not heal sure. them,
0: you know. Um, one thing that I think is a good and bad thing, and it's it's bad just because, again, it's just adding more stuff that you have to know, mm-hmm. is that so much of the rules are categorized by, like, various tags, yeah, and that makes it really easy to search for a specific thing because, like, oh, you might wonder what abilities does this feat affect, or what abilities does this magic item affect, or uh, what spells are affected by this thing, and so on. And it's always very specifically referencing these specific tags. Yeah. So this feat modifies any ability that has the healing tag, or whatever, and yeah. so on and so on. And that's cool. That does make it a lot more, a lot easier to search for something. However, I feel it makes the game, it's just making it more complicated. There's more stuff you have to know. And also to an extent, I feel like it is increasing your your reliance on having an online database of the stuff that you can easily search through. Sure, yeah. Theoretically, you could make use of that just by having the book and knowing the stuff offhand. But I think it's really geared for a computer and that's good and bad. It would be cooler if the game was just a little bit simpler to not have to have all that stuff. But at the same time, while the options are there, we do have computers. It is really cool that you can easily find these things out.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, like, so 5th edition is, a 5th edition D&D is a game that you could just kind of like, you could just sit down and play it. Like, yeah. it, like once you've got a good understanding of the rules... You can throw a. you can, you can just sit down and play, um, you know, as, you know, it's, people can like make their characters ahead of time, but beyond that, yeah. like you don't really need too much. You don't really yeah. need to look up too much, you know, just make Once sure in that a while
0: you'll have to look up something.
1: You know? Yeah. Like a spell or something, but like, you know, hopefully the care, you know, the players who are casting that spell have that information on hand. They, they printed sure. it out maybe, or they just wrote down enough of it, but so they understand it, um, yeah. But yeah, like so. Yeah, you might need to check something every once in a while. But it, they're 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 you know once you understand them, they're fairly basic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Something like Pathfinder Second Edition, yeah, you really are gonna
0: need a you're gonna need a database of some kind. Yeah. Like you gotta have archives of maps open on your second monitor while you're playing.
1: Yeah, which like I'm okay with, you yeah. know. But yeah, like I, I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's geared more towards modern uh like yeah like you know mo- like modern methods of playing tabletop games which is with like virtual tabletops and stuff like that like it's sure. it, it it is a much more uh you know yeah technology dependent uh tabletop game sure so that that's definitely a downside but yeah, but it brings with it's, it it's a lot also of strengths
0: yeah um, and then one thing that I would say is more of a downside than an upside uh, is in Pathfinder, the numbers are just all so much bigger. Yeah, there's a in lot of D&D numbers. In D&D 5th edition, like, you're not going to have, you know, if, if you have like a 20 AC, it's always going to be a 20 AC. If you're fighting something that has a 20 AC, it's pro- you're probably a pretty high level when you do so. In right. Pathfinder, you're getting a 20, 20 AC at low levels and it's only going up. And then you're fighting things with a 20 AC pretty early. And then those are just going up because your, modif- your attack modifier is going up too. Yeah, We talked about the criticals. Like you have to get 10 higher in order to get a critical. And yeah, you're going to be getting a 10 higher than a lot of things because a lot of your things are going to be have huge modifiers. Yeah. True, the things you're rolling against are also going to be uh, getting higher too. But just in general, the numbers are just so much bigger in, in Pathfinder than they are in 5th edition and that can be good and bad. It, if it is good because it feels good, it feels like you're improving all the time because you're constantly getting increased modifiers, but you know, you just inflate the numbers and inflate the numbers. So, yeah,
1: like it's not as like it's, there's not as many equations involved as like 3.5 or sure. like you, it was like trying to calculate what all of your bonuses and stuff were like you were yeah. f- so many different modifiers. Um, so it's not quite quite as confusing but yeah like the numbers do get big and like because like everything's going up by level and then there's like different tiers of uh like skill proficiency so you're adding that as well sure but like it this is like again one of the downsides for this is um like because you're leveling up and you're getting stronger like everything else that you're going against is kind of leveling up with you uh, like it kind of, it really does sort of penalize unoptimized builds. Sure.
0: Yeah. Like fourth edition did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So like, because you have all these options, like you, you have more ways of making an, uh, an optimized build, but, but it, but it's something that suits your, you know, what you, what you, you, you have in mind, like you might have a really cool idea that in another system, You know, you might not have that many good options for. Like, it's like yes, you could play the blind swordsman or whatever, but you know, you're gonna take up. You're you're not gonna you're not gonna do as well as somebody who's making a more optimal build or something. Sure. Uh, Whereas, like in you know, Pathfinder Second Edition, you got all these options. Like, there's there's gonna be something that gives you what you want and still and is still optimal. However, if you still want to try and do something a little bit more unique. Like if you're not if you're if you don't put all your stat like all the possible boosts to your stat into your primary like attacking stat, mm-hmm. you're just it. It's not going to be a good time. Like sure. it's like it is. It is the 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 scaling is so tight. Yeah. That like if you are if you are behind by one, you're gonna feel it. Sure. Um, yeah
0: that that is also the problem that 4th edition had.
1: Yeah. So like yeah. yeah it is it is really it is like is very important in in Pathfinder 2nd edition to make sure that like okay I am I am optimizing my stats. I am you know as soon as it is like available to my level I am getting this magical item that boosts that stat, you know, like so that that, that you know that is definitely like kind of a downside but um but yeah, I don't know. Like, but it's still it's still fun though because you have that like that f- sense of progression and and sure. you know achieving things.
0: Definitely not a reason not to play it. Just right. something to be aware of when you go in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Something. Yeah. So you, you don't want to be disappointed to find out like later. I was like, oh, this is not like oh yeah, this is not working out. And that's something that can be solved by the the DM being like, oh, just swap a swap a number around if you really want to because it's not there's no rolling for stats in this. That is very specific on how you sure, get your stats. Sure. You know, it's you get you get bonuses to your stats based on your background, mm-hmm. your race, mm-hmm. and your class, and I think yep. that's it. Yeah. And so like and like you you pick which stats though, like sometimes it'll it'll give you options or it'll say specifically what you're getting or it might give you an option between a couple of them or something. So, yeah. like you know, it's it's not hard to build an optimal build but just be aware that if you're not optimizing your stats you know correctly you might you might have a less of a good time sure
0: all right um well did you have any other uh, thoughts on pathfinder you wanted to get out
1: i mean i could just talk about pathfinder for a while but <laughs> i know
0: you could i know you yeah could. But, it's really uh, good so yeah, go play it
1: it's good yeah it's definitely worth a look <laughs> if it seems like a lot of, a lot too much then you know maybe i don't know
0: yeah. I, I don't know
1: like it's it's a lot there's a lot to it um but there's a lot of resources out there for it so
0: sure yeah if you put in the time you will have a great a great experience yeah cool all right well I think that'll do it for today so thank you very much Joshua for being a patron and uh have a great day thanks Josh So those were the four discussion prompts given to us by our Red Tier patrons. So a big, huge thank you to Dustin F., Taylor W., David J., and Joshua P. Thank you so much for submitting those to us. You guys are awesome. And if there's anybody out there who was a Red Tier patron when this was being offered and is no longer a Red Tier patron, we will still honor those if you want us to do one of these. If you do, you have to reach out to us. Let us know. If you listened to those and you thought that sounded really cool and you had a cool idea for us to do a discussion, uh, just get in touch with me. Let me know what your topic is. We'll figure something out. Maybe it'll go in a future episode between now and when the podcast ends. Maybe it'll be, you know, it can be just for you. Whatever you want, just get in touch with me and we'll figure it out. So just a big, I know I said it several times throughout this, but just a big, huge thank you to everybody who has supported us, who is continuing to support us, everybody who's been listening. All of you rock. If you're listening to this right now, I'm talking about you. You're awesome. So thank you so much. I hope you guys enjoyed this. And we'll have a regular episode for you next week. And I can tell you right now, it's going to be a good one. So have a great week. Talk to you later.